That brings a whole new meaning to tummy time. I don't even know how I'm going to beat that. Sheesh. So, all right, so I'm going to take this big old thing for a test drive today. I spend most of my time with a little podium over here and, and this microphone. And I, somebody asked me earlier why, why I use this microphone. And I, I spend most of my time talking to young people. And it, it's, I can, if they're falling asleep, I can just throw it out there. And it's like a boomerang. It's like, and then comes right back. And I've got it. But in the meantime, I'm going to slide this over so I can see over the top of it. How's everyone today? Good? So tell me when the last time this happened to you was. How many of you guys are thankful for the sun? I mean, the sun came out, right? And it's like, whoa, what is that thing? It hurts, right? How many, how, when's the last time this happened to you, though? Right, you're, you wake up on a Saturday morning, and you're, you're hoping for some sun, and you look out the window, and it's just nothing but that downpour, and it's another Saturday, and, and, and depression starts to set in. Right, and you're like trying to tape up the sides of your mouth to fake a smile because you know there's one in there somewhere, and the walls of your house are closing in, your kids are getting louder and louder, and the only cure is Costco. <laughs> right? You're like, oh man, what can we do, hon? Let's get the kids in the car. We'll go to Costco. Right? I mean, redneck Disneyland. <laughs> you get the kids in the car, and, and off you go. They're screaming and hitting each other, and, and there's toys in the car. You didn't, don't even know how they got there. But you're looking forward to, oh, I'm going to Costco. It's going to be amazing. And you show up in the parking lot, and you, you get in there. You got your kids in the cart, and they each have a gallon, a bucket of ice cream. And they're stuffing their face with this bucket of ice cream. And you're going around looking at tents that you have to set up in a football field because they're not going to fit in a, in a real camping spot. I bought one. I gave in to the temptation. It took me, I think, three hours to find a place to set it up. I, I mean, it had a garage in it. I didn't even know that. Where else can you go and, and buy... And, and, and get cupcakes the size of a baby's head. Any other place, you can't. They're huge. I love them, and I walk through Costco, and I see these cupcakes, and I'm like, oh, those look good. They'll kill me. I don't even know if I can pick those up. My daughter and I, Taylor, we, uh, we went to Costco about three or four weeks ago, and and it was getting to that point where, I, you know, it was a love-hate relationship. I needed to go to Costco, but I was like, I don't really want to go to Costco, but I'm going to. And we showed up in the parking lot, and, and there was not a parking spot anywhere. I mean, it was, it was cars on top of cars everywhere you look. And I, I drove to the far end of Costco, and I turned left down to the, 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 the zone you never go, right? I mean, you never, you never go to the side of Costco. And anyway, I decided I'm going to go see if I can find a spot to park down along the side of Costco. And as I drive down, the only spot that's open is in front of a pillar. And on this pillar is a sign that says, Electric Car Charging Station. I don't know about you, but it, it, just, it made my blood boil. 
It's the redneck in me. It just starts coming out, and I'm, like, trying to press it down, and it just keeps oozing, and, and I see smart cars, and, and I, I, if it weren't illegal, I would tip them over <laughs> because they just are asking for it. I see smart cars, and I think, oh, this is like, this is like city cow tipping. I, wanted, I, I even thought this through. If I get foam, maybe I could get some foam and lay them on the foam so they wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> and and I, I talked to a buddy, a buddy of mine, and he's like, no, it's still, a, it's still a crime. I was like, oh, okay, I won't do it. Sad. So anyway, I, I decided against all that was calling to me to do the right thing to park <laughs> my giant SUV in the electric car charging station. I looked at this spot, and I went, pfft electric car. And I pulled in there and I kind of elbowed out a little bit, made sure everybody knew it. That's right, I'm parking here. It's not electric, but I'm parking here anyway. And there was something in me that said, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. And I got out of the car and I went in the store and I went shopping and, 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 and found a, a jar of pickles and was like, oh, awesome, I love pickles. And I put to pick up the jar and there were seven attached to it. And I I, I, I was like, I don't, need, I don't need seven jars of pickles, but it's $3. Okay. I didn't get the pickles. So we went and got a hot dog instead, and I had a hot dog and, and some ice cream, and, and then we left, and I'm pushing this big shopping cart full of stuff, and my daughter's riding along, and, and I get out to, to where the car's at, and, and I look at the pillar, and I see the pillar, and I notice that the spot is empty. And I'm like, you know that feeling you get when all the blood drains out of your brain and your body and, and you just kind of go pale and numb at the same time? And, and, and you look at your daughter and think, it's a long walk home. <laughs> and I'm looking at the spot and I'm thinking, Jesus, the EPA towed my car. I mean, they fly helicopters around and watch chimney smoke to make sure there's not too much combustion coming out of your chimney. They must look for cars parked in the electric car parking spot. And, and I went inside, and I was like, hey, uh, did, you know, did you hear on your radios if anybody you know, towed, a, towed a car? And they're like, well, no, uh, where was it parked? I'm like, you know, you know on, on the side of the building over there somewhere? And... And they were like, oh, no, nothing, nothing came, came over the radio. We don't actually tow, have cars towed, you know, if, if the cops come through and somebody's in a handicapped spot. You know, they, they'll, they'll take care of it, but, you know, we don't worry about that stuff. And I thought, this is weird. So I went back outside, and I, I looked around, and, and there's the spot, and it's still open. And, and I, for some reason, I decided just to look a little bit further about the time I thought, I, I'm going to have to call my wife and explain this, and this is just bad. And... And that little voice is going, I told you so. <laughs> and I, uh, I looked up, and there was a white car parked beside another post. And needless to say, my car was white and camouflaged behind this other one. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to walk. This is great. But you know what? There's that, that sinking feeling of I knew I could have done something different, but I didn't. I mean, everybody's had that, right? I mean, we, we get that feeling o- over things all the time. And Proverbs 16.25 says, There's a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. 
That's, an, that's Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25. I love this because this is a, this is a passage that, that Solomon thought was so important that he put pretty much the same thing in the same book twice. One passage says this, another passage says that there, there's a path you can take that's going to lead to death, that has the potential to lead to death. And I love that, that there's a, a hidden promise in this passage in Proverbs. And, and it's, it's this hidden, hidden thing behind this that I love so much because, because what this is saying is that there's a way to live that produces life. There's, this, there's a thing that's behind the scenes when we read this that says, that says there's a way to live that produces life. And this passage is, is, is awesome because every day we're making choices. Every day we're making decisions. And when we read a passage like this, sometimes the, the thought is that this, this concept of death is like a far off, right? Like right now we're alive and sooner or later something way down the road is going to happen that, that is like a definitive line in the sand that's that's death, and that's not necessarily what this is talking about. And the uh, uh, Jewish teachers back in Jesus' time, and and even today, and before Christ, they had this perspective, this this um, this understanding of this concept concept of death and life. And we even heard uh, Paul share about it in Romans when he says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Right? There was this understanding that consequences bring with it death or life. Every little decision that we make brings with it a seed that is planted. Every word that comes out of our mouth, every action that we do, right? Every time we, we, we discipline our kids or talk to the boss, no matter what we do, everything we do brings with it the, the opportunity to plant a seed of either life or death. Does that make sense? And I've been, I've been doing everything I can to press this into my kids for about the last six months, um, talking about consequences and talking about this concept of life and death and how, how no matter what we say, no matter what we do, we're, we're planting a little bit of something. So there, there's a way to live that if, if we live our lives based on the way we feel and we make decisions based on our feelings, how many of you know that can produce scary results, right? That can produce, I mean, how many, how many of you have, like, experienced that firsthand where you're like, yeah, that was no fun, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it can, it can, go, it can go a little sideways. I watched a video the other day of this guy who, uh, who was uh, dancing, and dancing's good, right? I mean, he's feeling good, but all of a sudden, he felt the need to dance in the street, and he's dancing in the road, and he's doing his thing, and, and, Cars are going by, and he's getting into it, and, and for, for just that moment, he decided that life revolved around him and the way he felt. The feeling changed when he was hit by an ice cream truck. <laughs> he lived, and he also, also put out this little blurb video afterwards that says, don't dance in the street. You may get hit by an ice cream truck. So case in point, how do we know that the Bible teaches the right way to live? I mean, we, we read this thing, and, and we talk about doing it. We talk about doing what it says, and, and we consider it to be a good book, right? I mean, obviously, we're here at church. We love Jesus. Hand in hand is, is the Bible, right? How do, we, how do we know that the Bible's the right way to live? Because it produces life. 
right? I mean, there's an evidence that comes along with when we follow God according to his scriptures, it produces something. It's called life, right? It produces life. And I don't know what your perspective is of truth, but I believe there is absolutely absolute truth. Absolute truth is when something is the truth, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, and no matter what time you live in. That's absolute truth. The absolute truth is God's word will bring you life if you do what it says. That is for the person that's working in the mall, the same as it is for the person who lives in Sudan. People who are being killed every day for their faith, for doing what this thing says. And, and the, 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 the thought is, well, how could that be life? If they're dying for what they believe, because it, life isn't something that is just has that just has a pulse, right? Life is is something that happens within us, right? That begins to well out of us as we live, as we make choices, as we as we live our lives based on God's word. So I don't know about you, but who doesn't want life, right? I mean, we all want life. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and thought, "Man, I wish my kids didn't like me so much today." I wish that I would get a demotion at work. I've been really looking forward to one of those. I mean, some of you might be. Some of you are just like got too much responsibility and are like, Lord, take it away, right? But for the most part, most of us, we want life to well out of our situations, out of our circumstances. We want life to, to be at work. We want life to be in our families. We want life to be in our marriages, right? That's why we come to church and we, we watch or we listen to Pastor Terry share about marriage is because we want life in our marriage. There are Christians all over this community and all over our country, all over the world for that matter, that are living in less than God's best for them. There are times in my life where I've lived in less than God's best for me. And that's not what God wants for us. And the way we fix that is called life, right? It's an understanding of life. It's, it's allowing God to come and work and, and, to, and to bring life. As, as, but, but the question is, what is life? I mean, who doesn't want life? What is life? It's been said that life approaches and maintains a highly ordered state. The condition that distinguishes. My oldest daughter and I, we went out um, for coffee. Uh, well, she didn't drink coffee. She drank hot chocolate. <laughs> but I was like, hot chocolate, that looks way better than coffee. But I'll drink the coffee. Because I'm a grown man, and it's weird being a grown man drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> right? Men, huh? huh? You know what I'm talking about? They won't raise their hand because they're like, oh, no, 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 what are you talking about? I mean, I don't even like coffee. But I drink it because it makes me more manly. You get man points for drinking coffee. And I was lacking man points a few weeks ago and thought, I'm going to drink it black. And I picked it up and was like, that looks terrible. I'm going to try it. I've even put them in coffee before. Maybe it'll be like hot chocolate. I'll put marshmallows in the coffee. It didn't work. No. Man. The condition that distinguishes. So I was talking to my daughter, and, and I was like, trying to explain to her, what does life look like? Because we can, we can talk about life, but if we said, 
If I say to you, what does life look like? What do we think of? It's kind of hard to put your finger on it, isn't it? And so I was explaining to my daughter, I think life, anybody ever been up to the tulip fields, tulip festival before, right? There, there's something about a flower that is just vibrant and life-filled. You see life. When you look at a flower, it's beautiful, right? I mean, it's, it stands out from where it's at. If you look at, if you look at a, a garden, right, and, and you, you see, what, you, what do you see? You see the flowers, don't you? You see the colors. You see the vibrance that these flowers are emitting to our eyes, and they look beautiful. They're full of life. I mean, there's, there's, there's living. Weeds live. <laughs> we don't want them to, but they do. So there's life, and then there's life. I mean, there's life has a pulse. And then there's life, vibrant and beautiful and amazing and stands out from where it's at. That's the kind of life that God has for us. That's the kind of life that God has for those who follow him. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, choose life. Choose life. Matter of fact, let me, let me read this to you. Am I on it here? It says, today I give to you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. I call on heaven and earth as a witness to the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your descendants may live. Choose to love the Lord your God and obey him and commit yourself to him, for he is your life. For he is your life. Oh, that you would choose life. I mean, life's a choice, right? This is something that we choose. We choose our behavior. We choose the things that we say. We choose how we live. We choose life. And this word life that's in here is, is uh, an interesting word. Check this out. If I'm going to read this with, with some, some Hebrew context. Here we go. Check this out. Today I give you the choice between chai. It doesn't, doesn't sound right. But this word chai is life. It's, it's a Hebrew word that, that doesn't just mean we have a pulse. It means there's something more to it. It's flowing. It's fresh. It's vibrant. Let me read the, the definition of this word. It's for vegetation. It's green. It's flowing, fresh. As of mankind, living, alive, active, reviving. That's what, that's what Moses is telling these people, this word... F- for the, the people of Israel that's being spoken through Moses, is God wants us to choose life. Not just choose to have a pulse and to live the best we can figure out, but to have life that's vibrant and overflowing, rejuvenating. We want that, right? That's right. Listen, this, this kind of life is not dependent on circumstances. It's like I was talking about people who live in, in the region of the Sudan, right? It's not, about, it's not necessarily about our circumstances, what we're in, the things that we're going through. You can be going through the rough, roughest stuff in your life. And the decisions that you make in that, life can come out of that. Life can come out of the, the roughest circumstances in your life. I mean, I was thinking about uh, plants that grow in, like, extreme climates, right? I mean, they're, they're there. You go to some of the extreme places of the world, and there's flowers growing. 
And we're the same way. We may be going through, through a, a dark time. We may be going through a, a valley time in our lives. But I promise you, it, when, when we submit to the Lord, when we submit to his word, and we begin to live the way he's called us to live, it will begin to produce life. John 10.10 10 says, I've come to give you life, life more abundantly. God wants us to have life. He wants us to have life so much that he sent his son Jesus to live and to die so that we could have it. So I think it's probably important, right? It's not just that, that we, could, we, we want to say, oh, yeah, I want life, but God sees this as an important thing. It's not, just, it's, not this, it's, it's not just an option. God didn't just present it as an option where, you know, sometimes we see it that way. We live our lives, and, and we have this perspective that, that eternal life, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for heaven. But in the meantime, I'm just going to suffer through it. And that's not what God has for us. The Bible says, like I said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life, life more abundantly. So how do we get life? Anybody have a GPS? I mean, everybody has a GPS, right, on their phone. They're fairly reliable. Well, there was a time they weren't so much. I had this, I, I won't even say the name of it, but it was like the cheapest GPS I could get. Right, and so I bought this cheap GPS, and I was like, "Oh, this will work. It's a GPS." Right? They probably get all their information from the same place. And my wife and I are driving around Seattle, and I'm I typed in where we're going, and and this thing's like, "Turn left here," and I'm like, Whoop. "Turn right here," Whoop. and I'm following this thing like it knows what it's talking about, as if it's watching the road. And my wife is like, she's kind of nervous. She can see it in her face, and she's like, "All right." I don't know if is, does this thing know really where we're going and what we're doing here, because this thing doesn't have the same perspective as as we do, being in the car and seeing the other cars around that that can kill us. <laughs> and I'm I'm going down the road, and there's one you know in Seattle, there's one way streets going one way and going the other way, and and we get to this road, and that thing says turn right here, and I looked up, and it's a one way road going the wrong way, and. And my wife heard that thing, and my first reaction was, <laughs> my wife's first reaction was she was going to jump out of the car. I mean, she was like, up, and like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's okay, I'm watching. I see the cars. We needed to go the other way. I understand. And I, I had to make a, make a you know, split-second decision that, that there's sometimes in life where going against the flow is bad. Right? But there's sometimes, spiritually speaking, that, that it's good. My case in point is, in the kingdom of heaven, every day is opposite day. Everybody say that with me. In the kingdom of heaven, every day is opposite day. What do you mean by that, Pastor Seth? Because that sounds really weird. Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away anger. When is the last time that it crossed our minds when someone is yelling at us? I should be calm and talk calmly. It doesn't happen, does it? I mean, we, somebody would be yelling at us, and we might get in a spat with our spouse, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, it's ramping up, right? And 
It's like somebody, you're waiting for somebody to come in and give you a mic. Because you're trying, it's in our heads somehow that whoever's loudest will win. <laughs> whoever's loudest is going to win. And that's not, that's not what this says, is it? That's not what this says. It says the soft answer turns away anger. That's the opposite of the way we typically react. That is the opposite of the way our our flesh is programmed by this world to respond. A soft answer turns away anger. That right there is a little tiny piece of life from God's Word that if you apply that, may save your marriage. And I'm not even saying that to be funny. I'm dead serious. This is something right here that's a little tiny trinket of truth that has enough power packed in it that it could save your marriage. It's big. Every day is opposite day in God's kingdom. If you have something against somebody, go to them, Matthew 18, verse 15. When, when we have something against somebody, our, our natural reaction is to hold grudges, isn't it? It's to, it's to be bitter. It's to use that thing against them. What's God's word say? It says go to them by yourself if it's safe. <laughs> I mean, if they're, like, going to kill you, we'll, we'll talk about it, right? But if it's safe, go to them and, and talk about it with them and bring up, bring up the situation. Hey, you know what? This hurt. Life comes out of that. It's not how we typically respond, but it's how things work in God's kingdom. God's Bible is full of promises for us that if we live according to what this says about what Jesus taught how to live, it produces life. A couple more. Pray for your enemy. (laughs) Pray for your enemy. Discipline your kids. I'm not even going to talk about what that looks like, right? But we have a tendency sometimes as parents to be so afraid of what our culture says about disciplining our children that we let them do whatever they want and, and home becomes more like an apartment, right? That's not how God established things to be as parents. We need to parent our kids, right? Our kids are hungry for guidelines. Our kids are hungry to be part of the community of your family, when, I mean, this is kind of getting off track, but when our kids do chores, in, in their minds, they hate it, right? I mean, they tell you all about it, right? I mean, I know my kids do. Dishwasher, I hate that thing, right? It's from the devil. But the reality is they're, they're participating in the community of the family, and it's planting things in them that are going to produce life. Here's a big one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This passage, Jesus is talking and he's teaching about, about our needs, about how we strive after the things that we need. Instead of God, basically Jesus lines up, how do you get the things that you need? Obviously, the Bible says that God meets our needs. It doesn't matter if you love Jesus and you're committed to serving him. It doesn't matter what we give, it doesn't matter how we live. God promises to meet our needs. Did you know that? The scriptures say that, that God promises to meet our needs. And sometimes we, have, we might come to church and feel like, oh, I, 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 didn't, I didn't tithe. Man, I don't know if, what God thinks about me. The Bible says that God will meet our needs. It's a promise. 
But this passage, I, I love this passage because this is talking about, it's putting our priorities straight. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things that we strive after. When we seek after Jesus, when we go to the Father in prayer, when we commit our striving to that relationship in prayer, talking to God, communicating, developing this relationship, right? All those things get worked out. Isn't that a great promise? All those things get worked out. It's a tremendous promise, but it's not the way we naturally think. We, we, we stress and we strive and we chase after these things, and, and Jesus said, you don't have to. Isn't this part way less stressful than what we do? The greatest shall be the servant of all. Mark 10, 35. I tell you, one of the greatest things in life is serving. If you want to experience life, I want to encourage you guys, serve. Find a place in this church, whether it's, whether it's uh, um, the, the kids thing that's going to be happening here in the evenings or, or children's ministries, youth ministries, whatever it is. If, if there's something in your heart that, that's been kind of poking at you saying, hey, why don't you serve? I want to encourage you to do it. It brings so much life. It feels so good. And it's not just that it feels good, but, but God's created us to serve. Our, our culture, we get, we get so busy. We busy ourselves with stuff. And I'm not by any means saying that if, if, if your life isn't already packed out that you need to add one more thing to it. That's not my heart. My heart is that there is a secret it's like a secret. It's like, it's like opening up a, a, a thing on Christmas and like, wow, look at that amazing thing. That's what serving is. It's a gift that we look at it and think, oh, maybe this is a, a busy kind of thing. But when we open it, when we, when we participate in serving, all of a sudden there's this amazing joy. There's an amazing thing that, com- that comes out of that. So I just want to encourage you guys to do it. Matthew sixteen twenty five. Basically, the principle is die to live. Jesus said something along the lines of if, if you lose your life, if, if you strive for life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain life. Right? Life is found in Jesus. Heaven and hell, um, you know, we, I talked a little bit about uh, life now, right? Life as we make choices and we... we choose to live differently according to God's word, it's going to produce life. You know, that's, that's life every day. And we talk about eternal life. I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we, we get saved and, and with the purpose of my eternity is set, which is true, right? I mean, if you said yes to Jesus, if any, anyone calls on the name of the Lord in the last days, they'll be saved, right? Pastor Terry brought that up earlier, right? I mean, that's a great promise, right? For your etern- eternity set, secure, but sometimes we think that that's where it starts. And that's not the case. For Jesus, heaven and hell were a present reality. The, the, the people that Jesus ministered to were suffering through some terrible things. Hell was something that, that wasn't just an eternal, long-off thing that you would go to if you didn't follow Christ. It was something that people were experiencing every day. And in our community here in Rochester, in, in Olympia, in, in all over the place, doesn't matter where you go, there are going to be people who are going through 
They're going through double hockey sticks, man. They're going through helicopter school, right? I mean, there, there are people that are struggling through stuff, living life, and they're wondering, I don't even know how I'm going to make it the next day. Because there's such a pressure and such a, such a burden going on that sometimes we just think, oh, if I can only make it to, to that point where I can go to heaven, that'll be great. But God has so much more for us each and every single day. For Jesus, it wasn't so much about how do I get, get us there, but how do I get there here? It wasn't so much for Jesus about I want everybody to go to heaven, but that's a given. Jesus was focused a tremendous amount on getting heaven here. And there's, there's a passage that we read about uh, the Lord's Prayer, right? Who's, who's, who knows the Lord's Prayer? Right? A lot of us know the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes we get spiritual and we even pray it, right? I mean, we'll get like all hunkered down and, oh, Father, our Father who art in heaven. We'll do, even do it, old King James. Hallowed be thy name. Right? We're, we're getting, we get, we, get, we get cool and spiritual, right? Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. And this is the part we breeze by, right? We, we, we've, we give praise. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That part always is kind of weird, right? It's like, oh, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Okay, let's get to the bread part. Because I got, I got a bunch of stuff I need to tell God, God about. And I need to tell him what I need, right? Which is good and great. And God wants to hear it. Do not miss that. God wants to hear your heart. The Bible says he knows our needs even before we say them right? So you rest assured that God knows what you need. But when we bring it to him, there's something of connection there. That's what God wants is that connection. But we breeze past that part of your kingdom come. And I think this is up front in this, in, in the model that Christ set for us in prayer because it's vitally important. Because what we're praying is, Father, you restore things See, here's this perspective of heaven that, you know, when we die, we go off to heaven. Poof, we're gone. We get to leave this earth behind and everything's done. That's not what God's ultimate plan is. He, he plans to restore this place. He's going to redo it. He's going to wipe it clean. He's going to restore it back to good. I mean, mankind's messed it up pretty good, but God's got this plan to restore this. And bring it back to good. To take sin and all the weeds in, in, the, in the flower bed and pull it all out and be done with it. And it'll be good. It'll be full of life. And we have this perspective that, you know, we're going to go off and, 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 and be done with this. But the reality is that God wants to do something of restoration and life here and now in, in his believers. Your kingdom come. It's praying heaven to earth. It's, it's saying, God, bring restoration now. Restore something. Give something of life, something that's good, something that's, that's going to be seed planting and radiant in me now. It's restoring you. It's restoring me back to the way Christ has intended for us to be, full of life. It's restoring the order of creation in our lives now. John, John 14, 6, Jesus said this thing to his disciples. See, the, the Jewish teachers had this perspective that the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that we have in our Bible now, um, 
in the Old Testament that the Torah was the way, the truth, and the life. They believed that, that if they did everything in that, that, they would, they would, that, that it was the way to the Father, it was the way to freedom, and it was the way to have life. And Jesus said this profound thing to his followers one day. He says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to have that connection with the Father. If anyone calls on the Lord in the last days, they will be saved. If you're here tonight or this morning and, and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never experienced life like we talked about this morning, God has that for you, and it begins with Jesus. It begins with saying, Jesus, I don't know what all this whole Bible, Christianity, anything is about, but I want life. I know that for sure. I want my eternity to be set. I know that for sure also. And that's where it starts. It starts by acknowledging, Jesus, I need you. I want to begin this relationship with God that you restored through what you did on the cross that we celebrated this morning as we took communion. Jesus said, I'm the truth. And this wasn't like a Greek philosophy thing where it's like, truth. It, was just not, it wasn't like that. It, it, was, it was like, the Bible says that the, tr- the truth would set us free. This is talking about freedom. And you may be in a situation in your life right now where, where life blossoming out is, is, a, is, is, is not even something you could imagine happening. But the Bible says that God wants to bring you freedom from that. And that begins in Jesus also. And then the lastly, Jesus said, I am the life. We follow what Jesus taught us out of his word because it does this amazing thing. It produces life every time, everywhere, in everyone who does it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And Jesus, there's not a single person in this room that doesn't want life including myself, Father. So, Father, we just come before you this morning and and we ask, Lord, that you'd begin to change our view of the world around us. Lord, I pray that we'd begin to see ahead just a little bit, like two steps ahead, to see the consequences of the way that we act, the things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we live. And we would think, how can I plant life into this? Lord, I pray that your word as we read it would come alive to us. Lord, we begin to live the opposite sometimes of how we naturally react and respond. Lord, we would apply what your word says about how to live so that we can plant seeds of life in our marriage, in our kids, in our schools, in our, in our workplaces in our relationships. And Jesus, I pray that most importantly, Father, that we would come to a place where every day we would wake up and just acknowledge that that your kingdom come, Lord, today. As I get my feet out of my bed and I put them on the floor, Lord, I pray that today would be a day full of restoration, rejuvenation, and life. And that something of heaven would be brought 
in, into my life in a way that would make me stand out and make me radiant in a place that's full of death, full of pain, full of hurting. And Lord, that that would be contagious. Lord, I also pray that we would understand it's not about striving. Lord, that's not your heart. It's not about striving for life. It's, it's simply living in your light, Lord. So, Father, help us to live in your light, Jesus. Nobody looking around. If there's anybody here that, you know what, you, you just think, I've never had life. I don't even know what life looks like other than what we talked about this morning. Or you may be here this morning and, and think, I, I, I got everything made. Everything's great. The truth is that we all need Jesus. Because just as he said, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And if you're here this morning and, and, and you want life like you've never experienced it before, would you, just, would you just look up at me? I just want to acknowledge between you and me this morning that, that you're saying yes to Jesus. That you're saying, you know what, I want life. I want to have that. I want, I want to experience something of radiance and freshness that I've never experienced, that I can never experience on my own. If, that, if that's you this morning, just make eye contact with, with me this morning, and I want to pray for you. See you there. Anybody else? Looking around the room, looking around the room. See you there. That's the best choice you will ever make. give it about three more seconds. Just looking around the room. See you there. 